excited about doing this school. We've been doing schools for a number of years because they've impacted our lives. Uh, the teachings of having the heart be healed has made an unbelievable in, influence upon my life, upon Anita's life, upon our children, and uh, upon the church. And, and we just enjoy the opportunities that God has given us uh, to go out and spread this news about having the heart healed. You know, it's kind of interesting when CJ was speaking about revival and talking about it. I was, couldn't help but think about the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship in Toronto, Canada, that they were praying for a revival. They had around two, 250 people, 200 people. And uh, the pastor, senior pastor John Arnott, was praying for revival. You know, before revival hit that church, and revival hit that church in a big way. I think over the course of, I think, I don't know, 15, 20 years, over 4 million people have visited the church from I don't know how many different countries. We got to know the church, and they introduced us to the healing of the heart message. Before revival took place, all their staff on the church went through three weeks of Elijah House training. Three weeks of this stuff. And... uh, So they started to deal with all those issues of gossip and bitterness and all that kind of stuff that can affect the church. So it's almost like the Lord was moving upon the leadership first because when revival hit and people started to come from all around the world, they were hungry for the presence of God. What a tremendous toll it was on the leadership of the church. Because now instead of having meetings Sunday morning and Wednesday night, they were having them every night. The worship team was playing every night (laughs) and because they couldn't stop it, it had some momentum. But God moved upon, you know, the hearts of of the leaders and the people in church with some healing. What does healing do? I believe it causes us to flow the way that the Lord wants us to flow in relationships uh, with each other and with him. To remove the blockages within the heart and to, and to allow the love of God then to flow where the blockage was or, the, or the, the sin was or the bitterness was or the unforgiveness was. Because when God removes that root, he puts in something new, that seed that goes down that can't be corrupted by anything else because it's the word of God which is powerful and sharp and it changes and it, it does things. And David cried upon the, his bed and said, Lord, thy word have I hid within my heart so I wouldn't sin against you. Knowing that allowing God's word to richly dwell within my heart changes my heart and gives me a guidance and gives me a way that I should walk in. It's beautiful. You know, uh, I think uh, the prophetic word today was about allowing the gifts released and the compa- to the capacity and allowing God to have full capacity within our lives because of the gifts and the callings that we each have here. It's like, Lord, remove the obstacles that stand in a way that block those things in coming forth so that I might walk in abundant life. We want to talk today about that. We want to talk and we're going we're gonna to be hanging out. If you have your Bibles with you, if you have your iPhones with you that you can download the Bible app. I got people in the church now bringing iPads. They're bringing everything. And... Uh, uh, which, so we just say, open it all up. 
<laughs> to the scriptures. And what we want to talk about, we're going to be hanging out in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, around 26, 27. And this message is called Clam Ups and Blow Ups. Interesting message. But we want to talk about anger today. We want to talk about giving place to the enemy and allowing God to have a greater place and taking that place away. We're going to talk about territory. We're going to talk about this heart that is uh, beating with inside of me, but yet there's that heart within me that God's taking that heart of stone and turning into a heart of flesh, soft and pliable in his hands. So here we go. Are you ready? Turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm ready. I'm ready, Anita. <laughs> okay, okay. So, in Ephesians chapter 4, and it kind of starts off, I'm going to give you a little bit of a setting here, because I want to go into a couple of scriptures before uh, Ephesians 4 verse 20. It says, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And in verse 22, he goes, uh, Paul says, that we put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to its deceitful lusts, that we be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. So there's a putting off. I was going to bring my, uh, my black jacket and really demonstrate it, but uh, this will have to do. You know, isn't, isn't uh, life a putting on and a putting off the Christian walk? Thank you. Isn't life <laughs> the putting on and the putting off <laughs> the Christian walk as we allow the Lord to work within our life? Things need to be put on and, and put off, put off, put on. And he's instructing the church here in Ephesus, and he's saying, listen, that you put on the new man, that you be renewed. And that word for renewed is be renewed in the spirit of your mind, the, which means there the whole course of your life now flows in a different direction. It goes towards grace. It goes, it goes towards mercy. It goes towards a whole new flow. New way of thinking, a new way of acting, new way of talking. You know, it rubs off on people. People then like to be around you. People then get influenced by your presence of the Spirit of God within you. I think people love to be around Jesus. We see it throughout the Gospels, what people did just to touch the hem of his garment. Why? There was life flowing with him. Well, my prayer, my desire is that people see the life of Christ within me and that it, it just emanates out. And I know I am a work in progress like everybody here in this room. And that's why I so value the healing of a heart message because it takes those things that I need to put off and I, it gives me those things that I need to put on. So he goes on with some simple instruction. He says, therefore, putting away lying. Let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, 
for we are members one of another. You know, one of the ways that uh, this has influenced my life is that when usually people would have asked me how I was doing in any given time during the day because we are interacting with people, but I would always say fine, which really meant fearful, insecure, <laughs> whatever all those words are, you know. But as uh, my heart's been getting healed, I try not to lie about my feelings and my emotions anymore. Because if people ask me how I'm doing, I'm going to tell them. (laughs) It takes people by surprise because if I tell them, you know, I'm really not doing very good today. Okay, I'm sorry, I see you. (laughs) But we have this mindset, especially in America, that just to say fine, 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 fine. But, you know, is that then a form, as simple as it might be? Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with your neighbor, for we are members of one body. You know, Romans 6, verses 4 and 5 says, Therefore we are buried with him by the baptism of death, that as Christ has raised us up from the dead by the glory of God, even so we should walk in newness of life. For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, So we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. There is the resurrection, powerful resurrection of Jesus Christ, that if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall quicken that mortal body. It shall quicken you. And that thought or that discouragement or that hopelessness or whatever it might be, that might be tugging at you, By the cross and the power of Jesus Christ, we bury that thing and we raise up and we walk and we act a different way. Isn't it interesting in the Psalms it says, He brought me up out of a horrible pit. He set my feet upon upon a firm place. He put a new song in my mouth. Many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. You have an influence that you would not believe upon the person next to you, upon the person you're going to meet in the grocery store, upon whatever the encounter might be, that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ would be flowing in a mighty way. So it says, let each of you speak truth to his neighbor for our members of one another. It says, be angry and do not sin. He precludes the be angry and sin not with, we are members of one another. You know, if we are in relationship with people, that's many times where the the anger is stirred in those relationships. Have you ever noticed that? If I don't know someone, yes, there are occasions where I do get angry with someone I don't know. Be they cut me off when I was driving, be they take the last container of milk at the grocery store. They cut in front of me during the exchange season at Best Buy where the lines are forever and ever. Yes, occasionally I will get angry at that. But a lot of times it's in our rubbing one against the other in relationships that this is challenged. And he says, be angry, but don't sin. So it made me start to think. 
be angry and sin not. He says that because that's our tendency. That anger turns to sin. You know, God is angry. Psalm 7 says this. And I'll read it because I marked it with my pencil. Verse 11. God is a just judge. And God is angry with the wicked every day. (laughs) Wow. Every day. You know, anger is interesting because it's meant to spur us to action. Have you ever been angry and felt that adrenaline rush? Sometimes it feels kind of good, actually. <laughs> it's like, mm. You know, especially like if you've um, been upset and angry and you start to feel that energy. And you know what God did with that energy? He saved the world plan of salvation. He knew something had to be done. You know, there's a, um, like a, I guess an equation in science. I was not that great in science. I had to repeat biology twice (laughs) before I passed it. But isn't there some kind of equation that says an object at rest stays at rest? Is that inertia? I've learned something. Inertia. So sometimes we're at rest and we're not, we're inactive. And it's my anger many times that's going to spur me into action to correct a situation. Think about how a mother or father responds when somebody's beating up or bullying their child. Typically, the first thing that happens is there's that anger. Then they go out there and take care of the bully, ask the bully to stop. Hopefully politely, but probably not. (laughs) But you know what? If it stops there, it becomes sin. If I let it become a resentment or a bitterness, does that make sense? And that's what many times we do. And that's why it says be angry and don't sin. Many times we don't take time to step back and evaluate what is it I'm feeling. Where is it coming from? And there's typically two types of um, expressions of anger. It's someone who clams up. You know, the clam up is going to eventually blow anyway. (laughs) How many are clam ups? Raise your hand. I tend to clam a little bit. But, you know, the clam-up's not going to stay. That pressure is not going to stay unexpressed. It will eventually come out. But the clam-up, and typically the motto of their life is, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. (laughs) Right? It's that last thing, and I just can't carry it anymore. And then it blows. The clam-up tends to stuff their anger or sometimes not even recognize it. When I first started dating Anita back in 1973, I was was almost 19. (laughs) She was older. And uh, we were... That was worse. (laughs) I'm trying to give them an example of you getting angry right now. (laughs) I knew that one again. She forgives and she's free. But uh, we were getting to know each other and I said to her, you know, I never get angry. 
and uh, he was like, wow, I'm dating a guy that never gets angry. And to me, it was like really like a pride thing. I just, you know, I just let it roll off my back. And I put, I, I had a Volkswagen, a 1963 Volkswagen Bug. Anybody here own a Volkswagen? I think back then, I mean, a lot of people, I did. And uh, so I had one, and I did my first brake job on the Volkswagen. And I put new brakes in it, and I was so proud of myself. Wow. A friend of mine helped me. I said, wow, I got new brakes. And Anita said, I'm going to borrow the car. I said, sure, honey. She borrows the car. She comes back. And I'm walking around the car, and I said, what's that smell? I said, you know, it smells like something's just been burning. Is everything okay with my car? I paid $100 for that car. It's a good deal. I had the eight track, you know. Didn't have kicker speakers though. <laughs> but I got these speakers from my old stereo. I put them in the back, you know. And uh, I love that car. It smelled really, really bad. Some knucklehead left the emergency brake on. The only problem is the only knucklehead that did that was Anita. <laughs> and the brake pads were shot after that. You know why? That anger, I guess, there are things that hook me. You know? And, you know, like Anita's attitude was, you know, like typical, you know, girlfriend attitude. Oh, well, <laughs> what are going to do? See ya. <laughs> you know, but God will set you up. And you'd be surprised. Hi, hon. The interesting thing about that is I said, oh, I'm sorry, you must be angry. No, I don't get angry. <laughs> I kind of did a couple of these, too. He you did, know? he did. <laughs> but you know what? Love conquers everything, you know. And I didn't know much about forgiveness, but I was crazy in love with her, and I put new brakes on, and... Didn't let her use the car anymore. <laughs> you just got to form a boundary. That's right. You know? That didn't last long. So that's one kind of an expression is the clam up. The other one is the blow up. That's the kind where the sparks fly everywhere. This is the kind of anger that's expressed and you are walking on eggshells around. And those are typically the two kinds of angers. But the thing about anger is it usually starts with hurt. Hurt of any size. Hurt whether I know you or not. You do something, you say something, it hurts me. Guess what happens? What happens when you get hurt? We get angry. So anger is very often a secondary emotion to hurt. And our hurts are what is stuffed and are hard to see. And most hurts start in relationships. I have some um, expressions of anger. I'd like you to, I'd like to introduce you to the angry family. Andy Actor. As a child, Andy used to hold his breath. Isn't that funny how some kids do that? They hold their breath thinking that they can hold it forever. They, he screamed as loud as he could and would get very red-faced. 
He would bite, hit, spit, and pull the hair of anyone getting in his way. As an adult, he still enjoys shouting and sometimes even crying. He now likes slamming doors, pounding tables or walls, and throwing various objects. Watch out. He enjoys shaking his finger in the air and expressing his anger physically through adult temper tantrums. He's one of those that goes like this as they get angry. Now, that's an extreme expression of anger. That's Andy. Here's Tim Talker. No one misunderstands Tim. He lets all his anger hang out verbally. He never lets any negative issue lie. He digs them up, serves ulcers to anyone he comes in contact with. (laughs) Be careful of Tim. Those are those outward angers. They're not the clam-ups. These two are the blow-ups. They're obvious. I think we all have known blow-ups. Some of us may have been blow-ups. Lucy Leaker, Pain Put Down, and Tyrone Teaser. These must be triplets. Lucy Payne and Tyrone like to serve cold cuts. (laughs) They have a unique way of chopping people into little bits. They love to make little comments like, hi, Bill, great to see you, putting on a little weight there. Wow. <laughs> Did you notice that pretty dress Laura had on? It would be nice when it comes back into style. Wow. Where'd you find this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> they make one wonderful comment after another and are very surprised when people are hurt. I don't know why you feel that way. Didn't you hear me say what a pretty dress you had? Here's Terry Truth Teller. Terry always tells the truth. He would never lie. My, that's a big pimple you have on your nose this morning. (laughs) Whoa. Have you ever heard the expression, hurt people hurt people? Here it is. Very true, Terry, but not very loving. We sure had fun at Larry's party last night. Aren't you guys close friends? I was surprised not to see you there. Thanks, Terry. I needed that. Here's Carmen Commentator. Carmen has a difficult time being in touch with her feelings. When Carmen's daughter fails to wash the dishes for the fourth time in a row, she replies, Marcy, I'm very angry at you. Marcia, however, has a difficult time believing her. You see, Carmen speaks with a deadpan monotone. Have you ever met somebody who speaks in deadpan monotone? It's like, hello, is anybody there? <laughs> yeah. Marcy is not sure if mom means business or not. And then Greta gossip. Greta has made it a practice never to say anything about anyone else unless it's good. And boy, is it good. She has been called knife of the party. Does anybody want these things? (laughs) So there are some expressions and examples of the angry family. Proverbs 15 has an interesting, um, is an interesting scripture. You hear those pages turn? Do those iPods moving? Somebody said that they should do an app for pages turning for, for the iPad. 
so that you can hear the pages of the Bible ruffling, even though it's on the pad. Proverbs 51 says, a soft answer turns away wrath. Here is the solution for a blow-up person as well as a clam-up person. Soft answer. There's the solution for a blow-up. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be yelling and screaming. He's saying a soft answer. The word for soft means gentle, not angry expressions. It doesn't mean it shouldn't be expressed. It's the way we're expressing it. And so here's what the blow-up person needs to learn, how to have a gentle answer. And this is what the um, clam-up person needs. The clam-up person needs to answer. Mm -hmm. It says a soft answer. So the blow-up needs the soft part, and the clam-up needs the answer part, rather than stuffing it and not ever saying anything until that proverbial straw. So there's a soft answer, and that's the solution to the way we express anger. Let me take that back. That's not the solution, but this is the answer of how we should be expressing anger. The problem is until there's healing in the heart, we're not going to be able to do it. We're going to revert to our old habits. We're going to revert to what we've learned growing up, to what we've seen modeled. You know, we learned from three relationships growing up. My relationship with mom. And we have to look there sometimes. My relationship with dad. And then the relationship I watched between them. And that's where we look at in healing of the heart. The word for answer means to respond or to have a response. And that's for the clam-ups. The amazing thing about the scripture is the gentle answer ministers to my heart as well, not just to the situation. So it turns my anger away. It turns it away. It turns away my rage and my wrath. It goes on to say in verse 2, or excuse me, the end of verse 1, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Those harsh, grievous, offensive words stir up anger. Have you ever been involved or observed an angry situation? We have them every once in a while at work. We don't ever have them in our home. So, but we do at work. We do at home too sometimes. But you have one person who comes and they begin to escalate. What happens? The other person tends to escalate. And then pretty soon there's a shouting match going on. There's better ways to do it. And the Lord wants to teach us those better ways. Typically, what I get angry with now in my life will hook back to somewhere else. It'll hook back to a hurt in my past. Maybe the way someone else treated me, heard me, didn't hear me, responded to me, or whatever. But it will hook back most often. Um, And if we watch our lives, we'll see that that's the truth. If we stop and say, okay, I'm angry right now. Where is that coming from? It's coming from somewhere. I didn't wake up this morning and decide that kind of a situation is going to make me upset. 
or to stir up that anger. You know, Anita and I have given each other permission to ask those type of questions in our marriage. It's really helped us. Tuesday morning, we have a, a staff meeting at the church. And in this particular staff meeting, the interior decorator came in to speak with us concerning different things that are happening with a building project that our church is in. And uh, there's been numerous, numerous decisions to make about colors and carpets and tile and wood and windows. And this goes on and on and on and on. I don't want to talk about it anymore because I'll get angry. <laughs> okay. But, and for some reason, you know, I'm over this entire project. It's been going on for close to eight months. But we see light at the end of the tunnel. I heard this song this morning. I see light at the end of the tunnel. I'm thinking of the building project. Finally, I think we're going to be getting in by May 1st. And uh, there's been a lot happening there. But So we hired a decorator because a decorator comes in, and when the decorator says something, the decorator has said it. So it must be right. Because we have four people that are, if, we, if it was left up to us, Chances are unity would be stressed. <laughs> and it's just better just to sometimes hire an outside party because everybody has different likes and dislikes. Well, in this particular meeting on Tuesday, I'm sitting across from her and we're going over something concerning the lighting of the sign outside. And basically what happened was that the type of lights that the decorator wants is, doesn't fit into the budget that we have for the project. It's like triple the price. So I said, it's going to be very hard to put those lights in because of our budget. And she went into, you know, a whole series of, you know, if you buy a bad piece of furniture, eventually it's going to wear out. So why not just buy a good piece of furniture? I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting angry. Because I've added up the year right now. <laughs> and forgiveness was not flowing the way it should. And for some reason, you know, it just was irritating me. Over and beyond normal irritation. And when that happens, I know it's time for me to look someplace else. I know it's time for me to, okay, because I went home, I kind of... Uh, I didn't blow up, but I just kind of was voicing to Anita, I'm irritated right now with this project and with this suggestion and with the budget and all this kind of stuff. And Anita said to me, why is it hooking you so bad? And I had to sit and think, and the Holy Spirit's right there to help you out. Because you want me, to, want me to tell you, Rich, why it's hooking you? Not yet, Holy Spirit. Let me just... Let me just stew for a while. Okay. You know, the Holy Spirit, I mean, I mean, you know, how could you go wrong with him? The comforter, nicest guy. I mean, they're all nice in the Trinity, but I mean, the Holy Spirit, I mean, it's like, okay, Rich. So the Holy Spirit taps on my shoulder again. You want me to tell you now? Well, after six or seven taps in a couple of hours, because, you know, we like anger the brew. Because it produces that energy. It gives us thoughts of revenge. It gives us rehearsed speeches in our mind how we want to tell somebody off. It just gets us. 
And finally, though, with the working of the Holy Spirit, Rich, where are you in the family line? Uh, I'm last. I'm the baby of the family. It really wasn't that bad. I kind of liked it. My parents, after six kids, they just kind of like do whatever you want, retired type of thing. That created a whole mess of issues in my life. But I got away with murder <laughs> until God you know, started to deal with me. That's a whole other story. Come to the school. But I grew up with four older sisters. And you know, like it was like all four older sisters turned into the face of the decorator. Because they, they always told me what to do. They always corrected me. They always did this. They always did that. And it was like, wow, all four of them are in the room right now. And the truth of the matter is, I'm really still very angry, you know, at them. You know, God uses situations to hook us. It's called pressing the button. It's called, why is this going off? It's, it's, it's kind of like, wow. This is so, so, you know what I had? To, I had to forgive the decorator and then go back and forgive the sisters. And you know when forgiveness begins to take hold of your, of your heart? You kind of like, after you just do forgiveness maybe once, maybe twice, maybe three times, maybe four times for the same situation, you kind of feel that hook going out. And now I'm able to sit across from the decorator again. She's not getting the lights. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> she probably will. Who cares after a while? But, you know, isn't it the little foxes that get in there and try to mess up the whole thing? And those little foxes, once that little root goes in, boy, you got to watch out. You know, uh, to make a long story short, and the long story is about Anita and I decided we wanted to get a new mattress because... I was waking up with backaches, and the mattress is 15 years old. So, you know, like this, a thousand different mattresses out there. Uh, you know, foam ones, uh, you press buttons and the bed goes up. I mean, all different types. This is amazing. Select comfort, do this, do that. I don't know. So we finally were led by the grace of God. Someone said, go to this mattress place, get this mattress. It's going to help. So we did. We got the mattress in the box spring. We even got a king-size bed. Because we decided, how ah, let's go into something new. We went from a queen to a king. It's a spiritual thing. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, you know, she does seem far away at night, though. I have told her that. But, which, you know, maybe she likes. I don't know. But, but uh, the mattress and the box spring was like, I said, hey, honey, and like this bed is so high, I feel like I'm sleeping on the ceiling. I can't even hit, I slide off it in the middle of the night, you know, one time I, I slid off it, I went, almost went flying, you know, so why did they make these beds so big, it was, it was so high. So I called up the guy and I said, can, is there a lower box spring? Oh, he goes, Rich, you got the nine inch one, you can get the four and a half inch one. I said, order me the two box springs, you know, let's bring it. So I go to pick him up yesterday. And I called one of the deacons in the church and said, hey, you got a van. Could you come help me solve this problem? And so uh, he says, sure, Rich. Come over at three. So I went over there, got the van. And uh, hey, Rich, I've been meaning to talk to you about something. You know, whenever a pastor hears that, it's like, I was having a good day. (laughs) 
what could possibly be wrong right now, you know? And I said, okay, you know, what's on your mind? Well, I'm not going to work with that other person in the church anymore, the other deacon. I said, well, why don't you want to work with her? Well, because she's constantly looking over my shoulder to make sure I do it right. And he's one of the ushers that counts and does the money and all that kind of stuff. And I, she go, he goes, I've had it with her. He's, he's blowing up in the van. I'm just thinking all I want to do is get a box spring right now, you know. It's been a rough week. <laughs> so I said, well, well, what happened? Well, this is what's happening. And, and he goes, you know, the other, the other Sunday morning when I was at church and, and she was doing what she was doing, I wanted to tell her, and this is what he said, I want to say, if you open up your mouth one more time, get the hell out of this place. That's how angry he was. I guess that would be blow-up anger. But that me, meanwhile, but I'm not the deacon, you know. <laughs> Why are you blowing up at me for you? <laughs> so, but he was just venting it out. So he goes, I'm, uh, I quit. I'm not going to do it anymore. So I said, so you are quitting right now? He says, yes. I said, did you make this decision in anger? Or are you making it out of love? Because right now, the box spring went out the door. I figured, this is it. You know, I gotta de- I'm going to deal with this right now. Now, we're called to admonish one another onto good works. So I said, now, let's take a minute here. Why is this pressing your button so bad? And we started to talk about it. And he started to calm down. And eventually I said, take my hand. And repeat after me. Took my hand. I said, repeat after me. Lord, I forgive. Put the name in. I ask you to take the judgment and bitterness out of my heart. I don't want this in my heart. I give it to you. I ask you to heal me where I've been wounded. Forgive me where I've sinned. I choose not to hold or blame the other actions of others against it. I hereby surrender my right to be paid back for my loss by the one sinned against me. And so do I declare you to be a righteous judge. You know, I've said that prayer so many times, I got it memorized. I can even do it quicker. Because <laughs> it depends on the situation. So, but I really slowed it down for him. I really slowed it down. You know what happened? It was, was kind of great. His countenance changed. And he goes, you know, I got to reevaluate things. I'm going to give it another shot. You're not going to quit? Nah. You're still going to? Yeah. Can we get the box spring now? <laughs> can we eat pancakes now? I saw that in a movie the other day. It's funny. You know, can we just okay. God will do divine setups. Do you think the people that are in this church aren't divinely set up to be in this church with you in this church? Do you think that the people that you're, uh, uh, people you're married, the, the, the spouse that you're married to is not divinely set up? 
<laughs> Do you think the, the son or the daughter that you have is not divinely set up? Do you think the co-workers that you're working with or the neighbors that you have to the right or to the left are not divinely set up? Do you think your business that you're in is not divinely set up to do a work of what? To do a work of righteousness within your heart? To do a work of glory? To do a work within your, 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 your life that God will use both the will and the do of his good pleasure and the person next to you, the person you're working with, so that that work of righteousness comes forth so that when you're in the same situation, it doesn't press that button anymore. And then you know you've been changed. You know you put on a new garment. You know you're walking in newness of life because that button's not going off anymore. Isn't that what the good news, part of the good news, part of working salvation, both the will and the do within my life, isn't that what's happening? Isn't that the work of restoration? That God... You made me a new creation. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. When I was here in January, I was uh, uh, brought the team of, from Toronto, the kids that came, ministered to the youth. I was sitting down having dinner with CJ. He said, Rich, how's it going? I said, I'm in this building project, CJ, and this has been driving me kind of nuts. There's a lot of pressure to it. He started, he giggled a little bit and laughed and said, in a joking way, you know, he said, wow, you know, the building project. And I think it was me that said, yes, the building project from hell. And uh, unbeknownst to CJ, but I walked away from that conversation and I was thinking, I just felt such a grievousness on my heart. Inside of me, like, what did I just say? In a joking way, but part of my heart was in it. And that, uh, it started grieving me. I just said that the project that God gave me was from hell. Uh-oh. And I said, oh, Father, forgive me. I repent for what I just said. And if there's anything within my heart, Lord, where I felt this way before about situations in my life, root it out. You know, one... It says, Godly sorrow leads men to repentance. I stood in that sorrow for a couple of days. I checked my attitude. And realized how many of us might say, oh, this is the car from hell. This is the spouse from hell. This is the child from hell. This is the job from hell. This is the meal from hell. <laughs> you know. When really, God can use everything. Everything can work together for the good. For those who love the Lord and are, according, and are called according to His purposes. I didn't realize the anger I had within me that was building up. Because of allowing unforgiveness to take hold. And when we do that, if you can turn to the next slide, Shannon. It's, the Bible says we give a place 
and to the devil. Now, word for place is topography. We give an opportunity. It's to give him space. It's to give him part of the land within my heart. It's to, to create a condition within the heart where the enemy can come in and grab hold of part of that land. I don't want nothing to have. I don't want any land. I want all the land <laughs> that I have within my heart to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and under his lordship. But when I give myself over to anger, it goes to unforgiveness. It goes to bitterness. Watch out because the scripture clearly points out not to give place to the enemy. It's the enemy holding the high ground. When mercy and grace should hold the high ground. If I go down here, you know, I don't want to walk on. I want to walk in the realm of grace and mercy, which affects my life throughout my day. But if I get up there to the high ground of judgment, then it's going to mess things up. I know, but I'm just switching it for a second. Yeah. Now, if we switch it back and God has the preeminence in my life, then that high ground then is that place of grace and that place of mercy and that place of letting go and allowing forgiveness to flow. And then I walk back down. And if I stay in this area of judgment, I'm going to lose the advantage we're seated in heavenly places. So I switched it up a little and switched it back. Can you fix it now? <laughs> yeah, there's part of the scripture that says, don't let the sun go down upon your raft. You've heard that sometimes at weddings. It's, can you, can you, can you, uh, can you keep going there, Shannon? Keep going, keep going. There's Rich and Anita. <laughs> On the new mattress. On the new mattress. With oh, the lower box spring. With the lower box spring. See, I mean, you kind of see it, you know, sleeping, anger. When we let the sun go down, we, there's an absence of light. God wants that light to flow within our lives. It's the light that will dispel darkness. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the judge is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter onto that perfect day. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 5 says, We are the children of light and the children, uh, and of, and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. When I allow that sun to go down and allow it to fester, I'm losing the absence of light pretty soon becomes dark. You know, we have met with people that they have lived 30, 40, 50 years go by before they've released forgiveness. Talk about a lot of nights. But God's able by his mercy and grace to dig into the deepest root within the heart and pull it up. So it says, don't let that sun go down, but allow the light of the Lord to change and dispel that darkness of that bitterness or that unforgiveness. 
You know, another thing about that verse, too. Have you ever been upset with something or someone and you've gone to sleep and the next morning you wake up and it's like nothing ever happened? The reality is something did happen. So sometimes when we do go to sleep with it, it becomes buried. Because I get up, it's a whole new day, and let's just not think about it. So there's another danger um, in doing that as well. And it just kind of stuffs it into the Mount St. Helen pressure area. So he goes on to say, do not give place to the devil. Don't give the high ground to the devil. We learn from uh, the natural circumstances of things. And during the Civil War, there was a battle that turned the tide of the war, and it was the battle at Gettysburg. The thing that I've learned about that is that there was a turn even within the battle. And the turning point was, it was, it was a place called the Battle of Little Round Top. Have you ever noticed how they just do that little thing all, you know, the little big horn and, and his little round top? There was a, an elevated hill. And you know what? The higher you are, the greater the advantage you have. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of advantage. I'm not that high. No, I'm kidding. But the higher you are, you can see further. I bet he can see further. Jared, is that your name? He can see better than we can because he's up higher than we are. Wake up, Jared. Wake up. (laughs) No. So there was a battle. And what happened was in this battle is that the union got hold of that elevated place called Little Round Top 10 minutes before the Confederates did. Just 10 minutes. The problem was the Union didn't have any ammunition. Well, they ran out very little. They ran out. They had very little. Do you want to put that slide up? This is what it looked like. See little round top there in the blue? They have the advantage because they're up higher. Just like the Lord wants us to have the advantage and occupy the higher ground. And they did. But they had no ammunition. So what they did is they did a strategy where part of the army was like here and part of the army was there. And the army that was here began to close in on the enemy, their enemy, which is Hood's troops. And they closed in like a closing door using just bayonets. But because they had the higher ground, they were able to take control, and that turned the battle in favor of the Union. And I wanted to show you this because look what's lurking there on the side of Little Round Top. Do you see it up there? You know what the scripture said? That the enemy came and tempted Jesus, and when Jesus had the victory, he left for what? An opportune time, another season. So we don't get to the point where he's not lurking to find the entrance to my higher ground. And that's where forgiveness comes in. You know, forgiveness is an amazing thing. Grace enables me to forgive, Mm -hmm. but that is my protection against the enemy. That is how I hold this higher ground. Because up here dwells his grace. 
Now, I can see as far as this room is. It's kind of nice up here. I don't think I've ever been this tall. They have a real nice stage up here. Yeah, it is. It's nice and big. Very impressed. Yeah. (laughs) Good for the illustration, too. Yeah, a lot of music. But see, I'm like, I'm on little round top there. And I can see the enemy coming. But as soon as I step down from here and come out of grace, out of forgiveness, into unforgiveness and judgment, I open the door and open myself up for the enemy. That's how we don't give place to the devil. That's how I don't give him the higher ground in my life, is I walk a lifestyle of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. Whenever I feel anger, resentment, hurt, forgiveness. Lord, I forgive. Because when I don't, it's going to open the door. And that devil's den, he's going to come crawling out of his den. And I don't want him. I want him to stay in his den. I want to walk in victory. You've got great tools here. You know, I think CJ was bringing out about the tools that he wouldn't paint a wall with a screwdriver. Actually, I can use some of these tools on the project. We're in. <laughs> can somebody help me carry it out after the service? <laughs> I mean, you got some great tools there. You know, we were working on this project, and we, we, we rented out three areas of the, of the retail, of the strip mall to three different retail places. You know, this week, two of them got robbed. And whenever, you know, they, so they called me up and said, you know, yesterday morning, it was really, really great. We have a hair, hair salon and we have a nail salon. So if ladies in the church want to get their hair done, the nail done before church, they can. Just a couple, uh, couple of steps away. And there's one more retail spot and a therapeutic massage center wanted to go in and a cupcake place wanted to go in. What do you think Rich picked? I picked the cupcakes. <laughs> the poor lady got robbed last night. And I found myself with that indignation rise up, that anger rise up within me, because this is the second time this week the place has been robbed. The other place got robbed also. And uh, found myself, i got to forgive. i got to forgive the, 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 uh, the thieves. i got to forgive them. And uh, releasing forgiveness caused my heart to be cleared up to now do something about it or to the best of my ability. They're going to put on alarm systems. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. We're going to put in different lights. I don't know. But forgiveness just kind of took that hook out. Forgiveness is a powerful, 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 powerful tool. We got to make it our lifestyle. And we got to allow the Lord to work within us i just want to close wow i didn't realize oh isn't it uh uh, daylight savings time today is that next week Hmm. you gotta forgive rich for going too long no uh but in in closing though you know paul is kind of interesting because what he does here is that he is actually did you have any more hey He's actually quoting from Psalm 4, verse 4. And I don't know if you can put that up. 
But when he says, be angry and sin not, and don't give place to the enemy, he's actually quoting from a situation in Psalm 4. And Psalm 4, verse 4, it says, it says this in the King James Version. It says, stand in awe and sin not. Com- commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. In the NIV, it says, tremble and do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your heart and be silent. In the... Uh, New Living Version, there's so many versions now in the Bible, says, shake with anger and do not sin when you are on your bed. Look into your own heart and be quiet. So basically, he's, he's quoting from Psalm 4 here, and just a little bit of the historic history of when, why David wrote this psalm and what was going on within his life. You know, David had wives and he had full children and half children and half sisters half brothers in 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 his family line and uh, there was one particular son he had it was the third son it was uh of david and his name was absalom everybody anybody here with the name absalom was his third son now now absalom had like i was saying half brothers half sisters and and uh because of the different wives now Absalom had a full sister, and she was raped by her half-brother. I think it was Tamar. I'm I'm not totally sure. But uh, what happened was that she was raped, and Absalom, it burned him up pretty bad. He waited two years, basically, to get revenge. At a party, he hired murderers to kill his half-brother, who did that to his sister. Absalom... Though it didn't stop there. He stirred up. He got stirred up. He went to Jerusalem. And before you knew it, he swayed the people and they appointed Absalom king for a short time until God took care of Absalom. Because he basically, you know, David was supposed to be king. But there was a conspiracy that rose up through Absalom. Absalom turned the hearts of the people. And for a short time, he was king. David writes the Psalm 4, verse 4, during the time of the rebellion that rose up in Absalom when Absalom was trying to steal the kingdom from his father. Now think about it. That would put a little bit of rage within your heart. That would get you angry if someone was trying to steal your position and it was his son. Think about what was going on maybe through David, in David's heart where he might have been trembling, he might have been shaking because anger will do that. But here, you know, he's writing this psalm and he says, shake with anger and do not sin. When you're on your bed, commune with your heart, which means basically search your heart and see what's in my heart. Why is this thing shaking me so bad? Why is it hooking me so bad? Why is it getting to me so bad? This is David now. And here you have the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesus church, and he's quoting from there, and he's saying, Be angry, but sin not. Don't bring it over the sin. Don't let that sun go down, but deal with it. Get to the point. Find out where it's coming from. Don't give place to the enemy where you're giving him the high ground. Don't give him that opportunity. 
Because he'll just take it and run with it and use it against you over and over and over again until we allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. Like David said in Psalm 139, search me and see if there's any wicked way within me, any way of pain. And Lord, allow that thing to be rooted out and put the axe to it so that I might walk free in the liberty and the freedom where Christ has set me free. And who the Son says free is free indeed. You don't want gossip in the church? I'll tell you, you allow forgiveness to flow, gossip will flee. You don't want this unity in your, in your family between a brother or a sister or a husband or a wife. You allow forgiveness to flow, to flow, this unity will flee. You don't want rage and anger to be part of your life. Possibly you grew up with a dad that was a rageaholic. Forgive him, repent for judging him, and watch the liberty and the freedom where I was once that person, but that old garment is off. The new garment is on. You don't want to be a worrier within your life where you worry about everything. Allow the Lord to search and see and say, where did I give the enemy opportunity where he has that place within my heart? I want to walk in his peace. I want to walk in his rest. I want to walk in his security where Christ has set me free. That I may say hallelujah somebody. <laughs> Thanks. I get excited, as you can tell, because you know what? The cross works. Christ isn't going back on the cross. It worked. When he said it is finished, I think he meant it. When he said, you know, it's done, I guess it was done for good. And you know what? The cross is alive and well, even though 2,000 years have passed, it's like it's there today. It's like it's it's like it's present right now. It's like I felt the presence of the Lord during the worship that Todd was leading us in. Lord, allow that presence to linger in my life over and over and over again, because I want to walk in that sphere of grace that you walked in that John one. Chapter 1, verses 12, uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, speak about walking in grace and of the measure of grace he has given unto us that we should walk in grace for grace, which means that what grace does not run out. Grace doesn't get interrupted. Grace continues to walk. You can't run out of it. It says allow the grace of God to flow around your life, because if you don't, if you say no to grace, then you're allowing that bitterness to come in and you're giving the enemy ground he shouldn't have oh that we would be a people that I would be a person Lord that walks in your grace continually because grace it causes me to forgive and release that which I don't have to carry anymore today I said to Anita you know what let's stop I want to get a lifesaver or a piece of pack of gum. So we went to Medic drugstore. It's closed. I said, who closes the drugstore on Sunday morning? So we go over to Brahms. You know, in Brahms, they don't have one pack of gum. No lifesavers. Who designed that place? Now i got to forgive Brahms. they got plenty of ice cream. So I said, okay, I'm going to try a dollar store. I go over to the dollar store, a big locks, the place, and I find chiclets. Can't find lifesavers. Okay, I'll eat a chiclet. 
You know, because you get them preaching, you feel like taking, putting something in your mouth because people come up for prayer. You don't want to kill them with your breath, you know? So, so I'm online now with the chicklets. There's a woman ahead of me, and then there's a person that's, you know, in the middle, and then I'm next. Meanwhile, I said, I don't want to be late for church. It's not a good thing to do to be late. I'm the guest speaker. I can't be late. So, meanwhile, the woman ahead of me is doing something with coupons. And then what made it worse, she was doing something with something that she wanted to buy off the floor to get another discount. And before you know it, like, I'm thinking, this is going to take forever right now. And I'm thinking, I'll just throw two bucks on the counter and say, keep the change and walk out. But it was Anita's two bucks, so I couldn't do that. <laughs> so, you know, I started just getting patient, you know. And... uh Lord, I just, I forgive them for not opening up another thing. I forgive them for, for not having lifesavers. I forgive them. I forgive the woman, Lord, who wants to buy the floor sample. You know, when we have forgiveness flowing, that 70 times 7 stuff, you would be surprised how much you'd be releasing forgiveness. When they said about Jesus... The prince of this world comes and finds nothing in me. Why? Even to the very last dying breath, he kept on saying, Father, forgive them, Father, forgive them, Father, forgive them, Father, forgive them, Father, forgive them. It just flows. And neither and I almost had a fight last night. You know what happened? I took the scissors from the kitchen. I left them on the dresser in the bedroom. They're orange. Nita walks by and says, what are those scissors doing there? What would you say? Are those the scissors from the kitchen? My immediate thought was, even if they are the scissors from the kitchen, who cares? I just got done using them. Give me a chance to put them away, will you? You sound like my mother right now. I married my mother. She's a lot cuter than my mother. You know, see, it was like that. And then Anita said, I was just asking you the question, Rich. Because I was going into the kitchen and I was going to bring them back. Whoa. Whoa. That never happens with Dale and Teresa, right? No. <laughs> Not CJ. He's pastor now. Pastors don't do that, right? <laughs> no. But sometimes something like that, before you know it, the enemy's sitting on your lap. Wow, waiting for that opportunity. I can just get in there, you know? Something as simple as that. Crazy pair of scissors. Which of my four scissors, which scissors does she look like now? See how it distracts back? Forgiveness is a lifestyle. I would encourage you, come to the school, and you'll hear more of this crazy stuff. <laughs> I was so encouraged, you know, because the first time we did the school, you know, you have Dale there. And uh, he's just taking notes and doing his homework, you know. And he's like, hey, it was so encouraging because here is a guy is seasoned, and yet he's saying, I want to learn more.
I haven't arrived. And he had great homeworks, too. You know, I want to learn more. I haven't arrived. I want this to be so a part of my life that it's flowing. And I'm recognizing I don't want to give any place to the enemy. I want God to occupy the high ground. And when he's occupying the high ground, I stay out of that realm of judgment and I walk in his grace. I would encourage you. Is there somebody right now within your life that's pressing a button? Don't look at each other. (laughs) It's between you and the Lord right now. Is God pressing your buttons? Does he have you in a situation that seems tight? Is it a spouse? Is it a co-worker? Is it a, a business? A couple of weeks ago, I had to forgive PSO because they got all the accounts wrong. And I was on the phone with them so many different times. And I was getting so angry because PSO was messing up all these electrical accounts. I opened up the mail yesterday with seven different bills from PSO. Is it a business? Is it somebody in this church? Is it a restaurant? Is it your boss? (laughs) Is it your wife? (laughs) I love you. I'm crazy about you. Sometimes you drive me crazy, though. (laughs) Who? I'm designed to. You are. You're a beautiful sandpaper. I got to hand it to you. (laughs) But what is it? Holy Spirit. But you hover over everybody in this room, Holy Spirit. I know that we, pretty soon we, sh- we should end, Holy Spirit. But I know that you have your timetable. Would you just hover over each heart here right now? If we are giving the enemy any high ground, we want you to have the high ground. We want to commune in our own heart, even as David communed with his heart on his bed during that time of that uprising. We want, Father, to give no place to the enemy. We don't want the sun to go down today, Lord, still with an unresolved issue that you want to deal with and take care of. Father, you're so good to us. You sent your son to deal with this. <laughs> we thank you, Lord Jesus. What a great example you are. You are constantly forgiving. You could have thrown, Lord, the stone at the woman caught in adultery, but you didn't. You, th- you were the one without sin, but you loved and your mercy and your grace. You're so good to us, Lord. If there's somebody coming up in your heart, I believe that God's here to collect it. God's here to take it out. The Holy Spirit is here to get rid of it. Would you repeat this prayer after me and just say, Lord, I forgive. And put that name in front of him. 
whoever it is or whatever it is. Or... And just repeat after me, Lord, I give you permission to take the judgment and the bitterness out of my life. I don't want this in my life. I surrender it to you. I surrender it to you. I ask you to remove it. I ask you to remove it. To heal me. To heal me. Where I've been wounded. Where I have been wounded. To forgive me. To forgive me. Where I have sinned. Where I have sinned. I choose not to blame. I choose not to blame. Or hold the actions. Or hold the actions. Of others. Of others. Against them. I hereby surrender, I hereby surrender my, right my right to be paid back, to be paid back for, my loss for my loss and by the one, by the one who, sinned against me. who sinned against me. In so doing, In so doing I, declare I declare my trust, my trust in, God alone in God alone as the righteous judge. As the righteous judge. Father God, bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been a privilege to share with you on this subject. It doesn't grow at all old in my heart or Anita's heart. We love it. We love healing of the heart and the Father Heart message. We thank Him for the opportunity and for the opportunity you gave us to share with you today. I would encourage you, if you can, go to the school. There's many, many topics that the school has and goes into when we give the enemy that higher ground and takes that land within our heart. The fruit of that and what it develops, performance orientation, hearts of stone, inner vows, bitterness, root judgments and expectancies, all that stuff, we, we want to get rid of it. So it's a school to give you tools on how you can better live your life, but also to give you tools on how you can help others. I don't think there's a day that goes by where I'm not sharing about one of these tools that God is uh, equipped me with and Anita with and you guys with. Mm-hmm.